Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Alias Secure AF podcast, the podcast about all things cybersecurity. I'm your host, Teddy Underkoffler. Today, I am joined with Robert Leisure, security engineer here at Alias. You want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Thanks for having me back. Always fun to be here talking about things. Yeah, you bet. Always happy to have you. Um, today, we're actually going to be talking about password security, password management, but more on the sysadmin side and less on the actual end user side. So we'll be talking practical ways that sysadmins can better increase their policies and password procedures, I guess, and protect the business. So if you want to go ahead and open it up, tell me a little bit about why this is important on the sysadmin side. Absolutely. So, you know, you hear a lot about, you know, making strong passwords, you know, keeping your users trained and things like that. Uh, but what you maybe don't hear as much about is, you know, what you should apply on the the system administrator side, uh, where the accounts you're dealing with are much more privileged in many cases and can do a whole lot more. Uh, and so really those passwords are a whole lot more important than just your average end user, or at least hopefully so. Mm-hmm. You know, in some cases, your end users might have similar rights on their own machines, but that's a whole other thing to talk about. Uh, but uh, it's certainly worth putting extra effort into those system administrator passwords and the kind of the policies surrounding them. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So go ahead and tell me, what are some of the different ways that they can actually put some of that effort in to better secure and better create those policies. So, so number one uh, for system administrators, I, I would say, isn't even necessarily regarding their passwords, but uh, their daily use. Uh, you know, have a daily driver account that has the exact same privileges as any other person in your organization, uh, and then have a separate privileged account when you need to make changes on the domain mm-hmm. uh, or make uh, privilege changes or. Uh, you know, add and install software, especially on uh, sensitive machines. Uh, and that way, not only can you have uh, a daily driver account that you know, might follow the same password policy as everybody else, uh, but then you can also apply separate rules to your, your privileged accounts and have those accounts have more stringent requirements. So, you know, say you require 12 characters minimum for everybody in your organization, you know, maybe step that up to 14 or 16 for your privileged accounts. So, you know, not only are you using more strong passwords just by that uh, that nature of having a longer password and more stringent requirements, but also it's not the same as all your other accounts. So if there's some kind of breach or, you know, your hashes get stolen, uh, it's not in the same kind of space being mm-hmm. cracked as all those average accounts. Different verticals, really. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and that's not really something I hear talked about a whole lot. Um but I mean, it makes sense you have an account where you use it for privileged things, but you only use it for that and just have a different one for everything else. Absolutely. And, you know, not only uh, your privileged accounts for each administrator, maybe, but, you know, if you're still using local admin accounts, which I wouldn't recommend to begin with, but, you know, we see we still see it a lot. Uh, having local administrator accounts on machines. Uh, And in many cases, those local administrator accounts for each individual machine have the same password uh, for every machine because Uh. they, you know, if an administrator sits down and they they don't know the password for that individual machine, it can kind of, you know, take some time to look that up and figure out what it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in those cases where you have local administrator accounts, uh, certainly rotate those passwords pretty often. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you have to use that setup, which I, I still wouldn't recommend, 
but also having those passwords have more stringent requirements and change more regularly uh, than your regular user accounts. So then it makes perfect sense to have different accounts for the sysadmins, right? Have one for the daily driver and then one for all of the activities that have to be used on the more privileged side. Um, but how, you know, how would it work with different department machines, right? Would they have an account for those machines or would it have one account for all of them or specific accounts for specific machines? I, I would say in a scenario where you have local administrator accounts on every machine, for that kind of ease of administration, you know, even then setting kind of barriers between uh, maybe different sections or departments, like you said, of machines mm -hmm. where, uh, you know, most run-of-the-mill desktops may have the same password for that local administrator account. But then if you're talking about HR or accounting or payroll or, you know, any in the case of medical data, for example, uh, having different local administrator passwords for machines that handle that kind of stuff. Mm. So you have another layer of separation uh, because, you know, the worst case scenario is if somebody gets a local administrator password and that local administrator password that they got from some random desktop also happens to work on something like a domain, uh, a domain controller or a sensitive accounting machine or payroll. And, you know, somebody gets access to that sensitive information. You know, that's not something you want. Right. Absolutely not. That would be terrible. Um, and it makes perfect sense for, you know, different departments to have different level access too, right? Like I am a person for the marketing department, right? I shouldn't necessarily have the same access that HR or accounting does, or, you know, maybe admins or sales or whomever else should all have varying different access levels, I would think. Absolutely. There's a, a whole other discussion there to be had about permissions on things like file shares where, mm -hmm. you know, if somebody doesn't need access to payroll, they shouldn't have access to payroll documents or uh, information and things like a file share mm -hmm. uh, or any online tools that may be used for that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Um what is a different way that sysadmins can kind of, so we talked a bit about having the different accounts, right, for passwords, devices, things of that sort, but what's a different way that they'd be able to approach this topic? So there's the kind of the nitty gritty information of going about these changes in policy, uh, in group policy, you know, setting different password requirements for def uh, different user accounts, uh, including those kind of segmented accounts mm -hmm. uh, where they have maybe a daily driver account and the privileged accounts. Uh, having different password policies, it, it can get a little messy if not implemented properly or in a way that kind of makes sense or is documented well. Uh, but it can certainly help improve security posture uh, by having different policies for those different groups. And when you say policies, you mean like character length and how often you have to reset it and that sort of stuff? Absolutely. Uh, and not just in the technical policy way of group policy and active directory, but also you know, documented policy in your organization uh, that people can refer back to and go, oh, hey, you know, these are the requirements for a privileged accounts password. And these are the requirements for an end user's password. Yeah, I imagine a lot of that comes down to password storage, too. Like, where do you actually store your passwords? Do you write them down? Do you not write them down? Do you have LastPass? That sort of stuff. Absolutely. And, you know, employing something like LastPass or another password manager uh, certainly another good step that can be taken to kind of help strengthen that password environment because, you know, then you're not worrying about, oh, no, am I going to remember this password? Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, I have these very secure passwords that are randomly generated and I have access to my LastPass account. 
Yeah. I mean, unless you lose access to your last pass, then all you'd really have to worry about is MFA, right? If you log in, then you just have to have your separate device to do the two factor and then you should be good to go. Absolutely. And touching on MFA, you know, that's another thing I would strongly recommend in any environment is at least for your privileged accounts, have some type of multi-factor authentication. So that password isn't a single point of failure Mm -hmm. Uh, because, you know, then not only does somebody need to crack your password, but then they have to find a way to circumvent your multi-factor or, you know, get that code for themselves. And that is historically very difficult, right? Not as difficult as you might think in some scenarios, Uh uh, but it certainly, it throws another hurdle in the way. You know, another point where an attacker might just get bored or, you know, quit because they're they're having a, a rough time and move on to the next target. Yeah, that makes sense. The harder a target you can present yourself, then the less chances they're going to actually want to try and get through all of the different hurdles. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Um, is there anything else that I haven't asked you about that you wanted to touch on? I would say one thing I would recommend uh, mm-hmm. that we haven't really touched on is you know, not just doing the training for your users and even your privileged uh, accounts and the system administrators, but also uh, doing auditing of your own organization's passwords. Mm. Uh, so, you know, on a pen test, uh, when we're doing a pen test, a big goal we have is to get domain administrator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the course of that, uh, you know, we may dump the the SAM database from several machines, which kind of holds those passwords. And then we try cracking those passwords. Uh, but then at the end of the day, if we do get domain admin, you know, we kind of approach clients and we're like, hey, you know, we got this level of access. But, you know, as an additional service, would you also like us to kind of audit your organization's passwords? Because with that level of access, we can then dump all of the passwords in Active Directory and uh, start cracking those and say, OK, we have all of your users' passwords how many can we crack in, say, an hour? Oh, my gosh. <sighs> and, you know, that can be really terrifying for people sometimes yeah. when we come back and say, hey, we cracked 30% of your users' passwords in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and you would think it wouldn't be as easy, but it is. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, cracking, you know, people underestimate how quickly it can be done, uh, especially when you get uh, passwords in that way where you're it's a really weak hashing algorithm compared Mm -hmm. to some other ways of getting those hashes but it lets you get a good idea of okay here's some passwords that are a really big problem like our organization name one two three uh, or you know password yeah boomer sooner (laughs) very common thing Uh Uh, but also seeing like you know did we crack any domain administrator passwords in that in the course of that because you know that's an entirely whole new level of that problem if that Mm -hmm. happens now i am kind of curious if you do crack a domain user password do you still present it as hey we got this password but we've seen that you guys already have a required 2fa policy in place so congratulations while we have the password which still needs to be addressed we weren't able to get access we certainly take that into account, mm-hmm. uh, especially when we're making the report for that pen test where we're going, okay, we cracked a password, but we weren't able to use it. Yeah. So we weren't able to get access using that account. Uh, you know, we may try other things like accessing Outlook or uh, any, you know, third-party services, not necessarily an active directory, uh, and say, okay, so we weren't able to get access where multi-factor was required, but we were able to get access where it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, 
Let's see. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Or do you think that about covers it? Because we talked about, you know, we talked about auditing passwords just now. We've talked about sysadmins having separate accounts from their daily accounts, having stronger passwords on their privileged accounts, hopefully even MFA on the privileged accounts, um, segmenting inside, doing a little bit of policy enhancements, things like that sort. Was there anything else that we didn't touch on today? I think maybe a little bit more on the actual group policy that can be put in place mm-hmm. uh, because there's there's a whole lot of moving parts to Active Directory policy. And it can be really easy to miss something or, you know, not realize it's an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one thing you absolutely want to make sure is disabled is reversible encryption. Okay. Because it's an option provided. It should never be enabled ever under any circumstances uh, because it makes passwords incredibly easy to crack if you get access to any machine uh, where that is the case. Interesting. Um, why is that an option? <laughs> It's another one of those things that's just Windows legacy, and it's been there for mm-hmm. 20 plus years, and, you know, they, they don't want to kill it now. Yeah, but. no, that's fair. I mean, so do not enable that is what you're saying. Absolutely. And make sure you check the wording because group policies can be confusing and say, you know, this is what happens when it's enabled and this is what happens when it's disabled. Mm-hmm. And if it's disabled, I think for that specific option, disabled is what you want because you don't want it to store using reversible encryption. And what actually is reversible encryption? It's basically saying we're going to store these passwords in a format that is easily reversible and can very easily be broken and, you know, give you the original password. Gotcha. So good to use if you need access to your internal passwords for a machine, but but bad. Very bad. (laughs) But actually very terrible for security purposes. 100%. (laughs) Great. (laughs) And there's a lot of other policy options there that are super, uh, super handy. You know, uh, requiring complexity requires a certain amount of complexity, Mm -hmm. uh, minimum password um, length, like you said, mm-hmm. um, but also minimum and maximum password age. Uh, so mm-hmm. saying you can't use this password for more than 180 days. Uh, and that's certainly something I'd recommend is make, you know, you make sure it is in place because if you only requ- if you allow passwords to sit around for a year or two years, that's within the window of, okay, even if it's a 12 character password, it might be able to be cracked in that amount of time. Yeah. The longer you have the password, just increases the potential for visibility, right? Absolutely. And minimum password age is something that I think gets kind of slept on a lot because people think, oh, you know, if users want to change their passwords every other day, why not let them? Which sounds great in theory, but then the problem arises if somebody's changing their password that often, the odds are they're not changing it to a strong password that often. Right. They're they're probably incrementing on boomer sooner one, two, three. Boomer sooner one two three four, boomer sooner one two three four five. So having that at something like nine days is also good to set as well. Well, and so if you have a password policy that says every one hundred and eighty days you have to reset your password, can you have it set to where you can't reuse passwords? So you can't just filter through two different passwords every single time. Absolutely, and that's another that's another policy option as well. Uh, password history, I believe, is what that is. And you can set that as high or low as you want. Um, I'd say probably 18, 18 plus for that. Mm-hmm. Just so essentially your minimum password age times your password history 
is longer than your maximum password age. So okay. somebody can't cycle their password around. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the case of, you know, Boomer Sooner 123, 1234, mm-hmm. if they're changing their password 15 times in a day, then they'll outrun that history requirement and be able to set their original password. Gotcha. That's kind of devious. I didn't even consider that as an option. There's some pretty sneaky ways to uh, get around those group policy options. A little bit of loophole there, which is one of those things where you wish you could just not have, but sometimes they exist. (laughs) There's always that that 0.1% user that just figures it out and wants to use the same password forever. Yep, exactly. Well, Robert, um, if you don't have anything else to add, I think that's all I've got for you. I think that's it for me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the episode. Thank you for having me. 